Week two of the Rugby World Cup 2023 is done and dusted and the pools are beginning to take shape. Fiji's incredible win over Australia sets the stage for a tantalising fixture between the Wallabies and Wales. Joining myself and the columnist to reflect on the weekend and look ahead to next week's massive fixtures is Wales legend James Hook. Let's get going. Week two is in the books. Another England win. A historic Fiji win over Australia, 69 years in the making. Uh, Pool B and C are shaping up to be very interesting indeed, with particular interest on Pool C today. Um, This weekend, we've got South Africa, Ireland and Wales, Australia to look forward to. Two massive fixtures in those pools. A bit of review today, bit of preview for next weekend as well. And this week is probably most important for Wales and Australia. Um in terms of their World Cup state. Today, we've got a Wales legend joining us in James Hook. Are you nervous, James? I am now. After last weekend, I am, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> let's start by talking about Paul C in general. So you, well, first of all, let's talk about you. You were in France week one and you weren't for week two, but you're heading back out there for Wales, Australia. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I was there for the for the Wales-Fiji game, the first game, and... Um... Oh, it's an incredible atmosphere, you know, and obviously it was an incredible game as well. And uh, Wales started the way they would have planned to have started, and then all of a sudden, mid- midway through that first half, Fiji just exploded, didn't they? And then you know, half time came, and, and Wales sort of weathered that storm, and it was, it was almost a perfect start to the second half. And then things started to unravel towards the end, didn't they? And uh, luckily for that uh, knock on at the end, you know, it, it could have been a different story, couldn't it? Did you sympathise with the? narrative that Fiji got robbed so to speak ah, they, they've got an argument there haven't they you know they've definitely got an argument you know, I think what was it four penalties were awarded against Wales without, without the card and then Wales went up the other end and one penalty and the yellow card um, so yeah there's an argument there from, from Fiji's point of view but from a Welsh point of view you know you ride your own luck and you know I think Wales Wales probably did enough you know to win that game I think you know yeah and what's weird now though is obviously I asked that question about Fiji got robbed Probably doesn't matter as Fiji have got one foot in the quarterfinals by this point after that weekend. Um, it sounds weird to say that Wales, after two bonus point wins, they're, they're probably not favourites to go through in that group. Would you agree with that? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't agree with that really. And I think you know the Portugal game wasn't wasn't the best performance. We we got the points in the bag. I think that's all you can say about it. Really, that Falatel try at the end got the much needed bonus point. Um, but I think that that Fiji performance, um, you know, was was the big game for Wales. You know, just don't don't forget how much pressure Wales were under before before that game. You know, we lost by fifty points to South Africa in the last warm up game. You know, didn't have a great Six Nations. So Wales were going into that Fiji game um, as underdogs. You know, Fiji were the favourite favourites in a lot of people's minds. So that that was a huge game, and I think obviously this weekend against Australia is is, is a huge game and. Australia not not playing not playing great, and I think Wales will quietly fancy the chances. I think. Okay, okay, interesting. Well, this this um, weekend's fixture between Wales and Australia is massive. Let's look back at Australia Fiji, which probably the game of the weekend, if we're being honest. Um, certainly, going into it, and it certainly lived up to that bill. It kind of felt like the stars aligned. I don't know what you thought, but obviously, Australia needed to match Fiji's physicality. And then Taniela Tupo and Will Skelton were ruled out. Yeah. Is that sort of how you saw it as well? Yeah, yeah, they did. I, I was I was just really impressed with, with Fiji. You know, I think we all know about Fiji's individual brilliance and you know 
all, all the individuals they got all over the park. But you know what what I admired about Fiji in that game was their control. You know the scrum was solid, and you know they never really looked like like losing the game. You know it was probably they did all, all the things you probably don't really associate with Fiji. Um, so yeah, I, I was just really impressed, and you know I, Australia did sort of come back towards the end, but you know I thought. The battle of the breakdown, Fiji were immense there, and, and probably that's where the game was won or lost, to be honest with you. If, if their line-out had held up, they'd have won more comfortably, you know? Yeah, I think so as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. For sure, yeah. I found myself celebrating at full-time. I don't know about the rest of you. Sorry sorry <laughs> to everyone from Australia. Um, Brendan, what did Ollie, you... Not just the game, Ollie, not just the game of the, uh, of the weekend, the game of the tournament so far, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's no argument for that. Along with the Wales Fiji game as well, that wasn't bad, was it? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I, I, actually, we've only we've only had two tight finishes. Three, if you include just a little bit of a stretch, the opening match. We've only had two stroke three tight finishes in sixteen matches. So, yeah. so that that tells a story. There's been a lot of interest, but in terms of edge on edge of seat sort of drama at the back end of games, that was what made the Fiji Australia and the, and the Wales Fiji games exceptional in this tournament so far um mm. ho- hopefully we'll get some more this weekend because below the two headline matches there are some really fierce really fierce games i mean Argent- argentina samoa could really kick off actually, yeah i agree because, because that's absolutely must win um so there's a lot to look forward to this weekend but i i, I agree with james i think the fijian control and their discipline and their yeah. sort of single-mindedness and the fact that they're just able to focus and concentrate on a full 80-minute job, that says a lot for what Vincotta did, you know, previous to the World Cup starting. And, and Ray Walui just looks, looks like the, the world's best bloke, really, Ray Walui. I mean, he, he doesn't he doesn't lose his rag. His his whole sort of equanimity seems to have fed into the Fijian squad. And they, they could be combustible. Not in a in an overly violent way, but they used to run around smacking people, you know, shoulder to head for a pastime and getting cards generally at the wrong times, and they're not doing that at the moment. And they've been they've been involved in two really really fierce games. Yeah, was it half time half time against Australia? It was just three penalties they gave away. Yeah, yeah. Like that in Only something six something in the match. With, with Fiji, is it? Yeah. And what I absolutely loved about it was the way they finished it. 80th minute scrum. And they just shunted Australia off the scrum and got that last penalty. And yeah. I thought, this is Fiji's coming of age. I mean, hopefully they'll never lose the Fiji part of their game. But the forwards yeah. are now strong, really strong. They're resilient. They're learning discipline. And if they do that, um, you know, the, who knows where they might end up. Uh, yeah. We were bemoaning the fact they haven't got Khaled Munts. Well, they've certainly found their, their new goal kicker, haven't they? That's for sure. Bloody hell, that was Johnny Wilkinson, that was. <laughs> you, 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 you kicked the couple in your time, James, but crikey, have you ever seen anyone come in um, that new to international rugby and ping stuff over from quite awkward distances and angles and not look like missing? Unreal. And under immense pressure as well, you know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's crazy to think that was his first ever time kicking an international and uh, yeah, he didn't look like missing, did he? He only ever kicked seven points for Fiji Drua. I mean, he's their third choice kicker. <laughs> I think he, I think he's first choice now. I tell you, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I thought that just you know their their scrum has improved out of all. It's been improving through through the last two World Cups, and it's improved out of all recognition. Um, but their line out, their their Achilles heel, 
in the yeah. second half. The, the the only area where it might have unraveled was the line-out, where they were, you know, fishing for, you know, for, for any ball that they could get almost. And I, I was really surprised that they didn't work that out better. But otherwise, their control was uh, very unforgiving. It was a bit dull, wasn't it, Nick? Because they, they'd been doing fine going to two in the middle. They started yeah. doing the Harlem Globetrotter stuff at the back, and they lost yeah. three or four in a row. Just yeah. go back to what – just get the pill. They, got yeah. they, need. they just need the ball. The, the thing yeah. you have to remember about the Wallabies, though, I mean, I mean, whatever the Wallabies are or are not, and, and the, the emphasis is on the are not at the moment, but they're a good line outside, especially yeah. actually when Skelton's not there, because yeah. that Nick Frost is a genuine line out specialist yeah. and a poaching specialist, and obviously Rory Arnold's seven for eight and, and what have you. So uh, I think Wales are going to have to be really, really canny there at the weekend because the line out, if the line out goes badly wrong and the Wallabies have plenty of possession, then they do somewhere have the talent in the back division to make Wales pay for that. So yeah. and it's and it's definitely not Wales's strong suit. It's an no. area which they, they 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 seem to be struggling with on a regular basis, isn't it, James? Yeah, you're right, Nick. Yeah, and I think it was that Portugal game, isn't it? I think it was a three or four lineups just after half time yeah. on the bounce that that went awry. So it's something Wales are going to have to sort out pretty quickly going into the weekend. And it'd be interesting to see who they go for on the second row. Obviously, Will Rowlands is, is definitely going to be in there. You know, do they go Adam Beard um, or do they bring in Dav Jenkins? Adam Beard and Will Rowlands are both line out callers. So, you know, that could probably edge it for, for Adam Beard there. But um, yeah, I agree. You know, that'll go a big way to whether they win or lose that game. Mm. Mm. Uh, mind you, they were, they were the one thing that you would say for Portugal. And uh, you saw that with the try that they scored is that they were a very good line outside. Yeah, yeah, they were, they were, and they threw a ball about as well, and they? they played with uh, a lot of tempo. You know, I think that's where Wales have got to sort of tidy up a little bit more as well. Is that they speed a ball and just just be a little bit braver? I think in attack, you know, I think Portugal looked a little bit more exciting than Wales in attack, to be honest with you. So I think that's somewhere where we've got to sort of tidy up a little bit as well. I suppose the chances of Wales be uh, of losing to Portugal are practically zero. Portugal. Sorry, sorry, sorry. What was that? Cut that bit out. Oli, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking in hindsight. There is no chance for Portugal. Oli, keep it. Keep keep it in, Oli. (laughs) Right. Thank you. Nice to see you all. I'm off. Actually, I think I think I I know what I think I know what Chris is saying is we mustn't discount Georgia. Not in terms of winning the pool, but Georgia have a big match in them somewhere. Yeah. There's still a possibility they might roll one of the, you know, uh, they've got to play Fiji, haven't they, and Wales. So although it feels like Wales, Australia is absolutely the be-all and end-all from that point of view, assuming mm. that Fiji go on winning, let's not assume that because I think Georgia have got a win in them somewhere. They actually played pretty well in the second half against Australia. So there could be a, a little twist to the tail here as well, I think. And all three sides yeah. could end up on 16, couldn't they? Absolutely, yeah. That, that can do definitely happened it, that wouldn't be un- that you know that that is a decent chance of that happening i'd say is that, is that a po- is that a points different split then if that happens no you put me on the point i think they first of all it's head to head head to head isn't it or head to head yeah i think that i think that's worth clarifying i mean brendan the point you make about georgia is very fair in terms of them being able to cause an upset but i think yeah. bonus points against georgia is going to be pivotal as well because yeah. at the moment wales and fiji both have two bonus points and Australia also no everyone has two bonus points at the moment am I right 
Australia uh, got bonus points against Georgia in the opening match, and they got a lo- lose it. They got a losing bonus point against Fiji because Fiji yeah. missed that kick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's a case point. of now, say Australia do beat Wales, then it's a case of whoever gets most bonus points. Yeah, if, if Wales if Wales lose to Australia, they need something out of the game, don't they? You know, yeah, they need a losing bonus yeah. point. Then they'll have to obviously beat Georgia ideally with a offensive bonus point. Then. Exactly. So Fiji and Wales can't really afford to be resting anyone against Georgia because they need to no. score. Right. I like his eyeballs out from now on. It's knockout yeah. rugby. Yeah. <laughs> from Wales' point of view, though, you know, it's all on this weekend. They focus. They beat Australia. That goes. Know, it's all the job done, isn't it? Yeah. So that's what they'll be yeah. focusing on. For sure. James, talking about numbers and the um, and the Portugal game, obviously Wayne, mm-hmm. Wales changed 13 players yeah. for that game. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Do you think that the starting, you know, that Warren Gatlin's starting lineup is now pretty clear in his head what it will be? I think so. We obviously see, I think, the majority of the players who started against Fiji coming back in. I think the only debates or arguments, obviously, Dewey Lake didn't start against Fiji. If he's fit enough, does he come back in to start? Obviously, he's the co-captain as well. So you'd expect him, if he's fit, to come to come back in and Dav Jenkins as well, who I mentioned, he potentially could come in in the second row. But, but as I mentioned just now, you know, Adam Beard is, is the line of caller there. So maybe they stick with him and bring Dav off the bench because he made such an impact against Fiji off the bench. Like he made 13 tackles in, in 20 minutes, I think. Um, so I, I don't think there's going to be too many changes from, from the Fiji game, if I'm honest. You know, I think the centres, George North and Tompkins, went went really well. Um, you know, you look at the wingers, Zamet and, and Josh Adams. You know, you can't drop drop those as well as Rio Dyer played against Portugal. Uh, I think he'll keep his place on the bench. Um, and Liam Williams at 15. So, you know, as far as the back line goes, I think it's it's pretty settled now. And obviously, half-backs, Dan Bigger um, will start. <laughs> I think, again, it's a debate whether you go Gareth Davis or Thomas Williams. Um, I, th- I think you'll go Gareth Davis again, if I'm honest. Did you ever lose your rag in a on, on a Dan Bigger scale, James, with your... Um... <laughs> With your nearest and dearest teammates, did you ever? Uh, not, not quite on a damn bigger scale. No, no. And uh, yeah, it's been quite a quite a topic the last sort of week or so. Um, but you know, you, you can see he's, he's he's a competitive animal, isn't he? And oh, you know, he, he vents his frustration. Um, whether it's whether it's right, he does it on the pitch or not, is another matter. You know. Um, but you know, I think George North um, probably will be kicking up all next time he's in that situation. I, sh- I should imagine. Is he as competitive as he seems, damn bigger? Uh, oh, he is. He is. Yeah, of course he is. You know, but uh, I think I think everyone everyone on that pitch is as competitive as as Dan Bigger. He just probably vents it in a different way. I think you know. Yeah, I I I, I just look back at the times. You know, there were times when Ospreys had that a bit of a rock star team down there, and then there were yeah. times when all the rock stars went pretty much apart from Dan and and Alan Wynn. Yeah, um, those those two blokes, their commitment to the club um, in adversity. At times was astonishing. I mean, absolute iron commitment. Uh, I, I have massive respect for both of them. I must admit. Yeah, unreal. And I suppose with, with Dan Bigger, it almost seems the more pressure he's under, the better he performs as well. So, yeah, I think the more people are talking about him or criticizing him, the more he comes out and just uh, answers those questions. In fairness to him, he's, he's he's an incredible player and been a, an incredible servant for for Wales, obviously, and and the Ospreys, like you mentioned. On the subject of insights into former colleagues there, James, um, Talupi Falatau, I mean, we hadn't seen him for six months, injured, oh. training on his own, whatever, um, didn't play any of the warm-ups. 
And so he's right. He's absolutely right there on it. 100%, one of the world's top number eights. I mean, how do you do that? How do you come off no base whatsoever? He's one of the few players. I think Gatlin mentioned, you know, someone like Richie McCaw is probably only one of the few players who could come back after a long injury and, and just get right up to that peak performance. And I think for Toby's standards against Fiji, he was he was a little bit quieter than usual and as expected for being out for so long. But um, when I left Bordeaux um, to come back home, they were travelling to Nice, the Welsh squad, and I bumped into Toby, I had a chat to him and I thought he, he looked pretty battered after that game. I thought, you know, I said to him, I said, are you looking forward to a little break perhaps this weekend? And he was, he was like, no, I'm ho- hopefully I'm going to play. He said, you know, I want to get that match fitness and... And, and and again, the more he plays, the better he gets. So, um, and true enough, obviously, he played against Portugal, got that decisive bonus point at the end as well. So, yeah, and also made the tackle on their outstanding yeah. number seven. <laughs> that could have been a slightly different, awkward, more you know, more awkward match if he hadn't nailed him there. Yeah, could have, he could have. Yeah, and he's he's an, he's an incredible player, as you mentioned. You know, there's, there's no more words for Toby, is it? He's he's powerful, skillful. He, his reading of the game, his ability is. Is unreal to be honest with you, and um, it, was, it was a pleasure to play with him. You know, I, I like the look of that. What what we assume is the first choice back row. I yeah. like the look of that because it's good to see Wainwright, who I thought was a really, really skillful, impressive player at the last World Cup, and then he's had his quiet spells, hasn't he? But I, yeah. I think I think he's looking somewhere near back to where we remember him. And Jack Morgan's just been well. He's not a revelation because I, I confidently predicted a couple of weeks ago on this podcast that he'd be one of the players to watch in this World Cup. I think he's been absolutely magnificent. Yeah, he's just so consistent, Jack Morgan, and he's just he's been doing that for, for years. You know, with well, when he when he came from the Scarlets to the Ospreys and just in, in a Welsh shirt now, you know, he's he's immense. And against Portugal again, you know, he wasn't even in the in the twenty three. He got drafted straight into the starting lineup and produced another. Unbelievable performance, and uh, no, I agree with you. I agree. I like the balance of the back row. Obviously, Toby's right up there to to his best again, and uh, and Wainwright as well. What's Wainwright in the warm up game against England uh, at home, and and the way he's carrying the ball? I think you know we're probably not blessed in Wales with with great ball carriers, so to see him right up there and ball carrying is is what we need. You know? Well, he does it in an intelligent way, doesn't he? He yeah. strikes me as a. I've never met the guy, but I think he's he seems to me to be a bright footballer, a, a yeah. genuinely bright rugby player. Yeah, oh, you can see that. You can see that 100%. While we're asking about play, um, your insights into players, James Folk, on the Fiji front, have you ever had any encounters with, with Joshua to us over? Thank God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not while you're at Perpignan. Uh, no, I, I don't think I actually played against him. But um, yeah, like I can say, thank goodness, because uh, he's he's unreal, isn't he? I, th- I thought against Australia, he was, he was immense. Obviously, he was player of the match, wasn't he? Yeah. I think he just gives that directness. Uh, he's so powerful and so skillful with it as well. And I think, you know, I love that combination actually of the the centre partnership for Fiji against Australia. And it probably looks like the, the partnership going forward for the rest of the World Cup for them, doesn't it? Yeah, as long as he stays fit. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. and they found Grand yeah. Rana, great man that he is going forward. He, he was a little bit suspect defensively against Wales, wasn't he? He he jumps out of the line yeah. quite a bit, and they were yeah, struggling a bit court. there. He did get caught a couple of times, didn't he? Just yeah. Tompkins' little slip passes to George North. He sort of bit in a couple of times. So, you know, it's a difficult place to defend 13. And I think Wales, you know, tactically played it quite right. You know, I think against a team like Fiji, who want to come up and, and hit players, if you send numbers at the line, you know, it causes indecision. And, and that's probably what happened against Wales mm. with uh, with him, you know? He tripped yeah. over his own beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They've got they've got a um, a talisman of a captain there, Naya Salevu, haven't they? You know, I mean, yeah. he's a, uh, he's playing 
extraordinarily well and leading extraordinarily well, you know, and, and you've got to put some of that down to the captaincy on the field. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Outside of 10 is one of the, it's arguably the most exciting back line in the tournament. Mm. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Chris, how much would I have to pay you to attempt to tackle to us over? Uh, it's all in the timing. I mean, to 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 be, <laughs> to, be, to, be to be honest with you, uh, to be honest with you, but I I couldn't even um, I couldn't even tackle. I mean, this is going back in the day. I couldn't even tackle John Horton, who was an England Grand Slam outside half in 1980. And was two stone dripping wet, and he dropped down from from playing for Bath, and and he ended up in a in a, a junior club in 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 Bath, and um and I, I I remember just lining him up in a big derby match and thinking I I'm just about to nail a Grand Slam winning outside half, and I'm going to tell my grandchildren about it on a daily basis, and he <laughs> banks me off like there was no tomorrow. So any Fijian, <laughs> any Fijian, let alone two is over, I think is possibly. A bit of an overmatch for me, frankly. The question yeah. is, how much do you have to pay to to a sober to run a Chris? I think. <laughs> oh, hey, look! Don't 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 start that because there'll be an online pile on. Any benefit want to donate to that happening? Please do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think so, mate. I don't think there'd be too many tickets up. Here. I think it's a done deal. <laughs> you do get one little downside to us over at centre, uh, and it's only a small one. But that pass he did in the Wales match, right at the end, there it wasn't a very great pass, and he absolutely butchered a three-on-two against Australia um, on whenever it was Sunday night. His hands are not the greatest, but everything else it's in perfect working order. So that they do just lose a little bit of dexterity. In, in the back there when they play him at centre rather than wing. Well, I was a bit surprised to see him named at 12, but I suppose... Well, I was a little bit, actually, because... You're right, yeah. it's defensively that they were thinking mm. about, especially opposite Sammy Yeah, Brown. and he's such a great jack on it. You can see exactly what they were doing, but they yeah. lose just a little bit of subtlety in the actual movement of the ball. Yeah. Does anyone actually... Talking of Jacqueline, does anyone know how old Bottier really is? Because he looks he looks 96. Well, he's grown the tash now, hasn't he? So he looks... He's... I mean, he is—he's—he is really extraordinary, and there are some good jacklers out there. Yeah, I mean, really good. But crikey, he takes some shifting, doesn't he? That bloke, God. But this is the first year he's played flanker rather than centre for Fiji. He's played all his matches until this year at centre. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, but he—he he, he wreaked havoc. Um, he did. He, yeah. He's phenomenal. However old he is, and however big his tash is, and I, I <laughs> thumbs up to the tash, mate. <laughs> because that that wallaby back row was not you know not short of uh, people who were decent on the floor I mean Fraser McWright's had a good season you know yeah. you need a decent reason not to take Michael Hooper um, mm. I know yeah. he's had his issues down you know in, in, in over the last couple of years but you know Eddie Jones whatever whatever everyone thinks of Eddie I mean he's not he's not done and he's oh. decided that McWright can do on the floor the kind of things that Hooper could do just for, you know, a little bit of youth on his side and all that sort of business. And Bottier made a total mess of that wallaby, of, of that wallaby pack on the floor. I mean, it was a remarkable, remarkable. Well, given just the almost quicker than everything, you've got to be thinking that they're feeling slightly remiss about not taking Hooper because he still is their best breakdown specialist mm -hmm. and they got ruined at the breakdown. That was almost the deciding factor of the game. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I mean, it's just not, 
the Wallabies of of Hooper in his pomp and David Pocock, is it? I mean, that's that was a pretty special, a miles off pretty special combination, and they're a fair way from that. Um, you know, they, you know, Eddie is already beginning to say we pick the young side, and you know, we're looking at twenty twenty seven, which is. <laughs> That's good. That's, you you must have worked with a, co- a few coaches like that, James. <laughs> Don't worry, there's always next time they say. Uh, well, I, I suppose Wales and Australia along similar paths, isn't they? You know, in terms of you know they they sort of in a rebuilding phase. Um, Wales obviously still got a couple of experienced players. They've lost a lot of experienced players, so they are breeding a sort of new generation now. So I suppose in that sense, you know, Wales and Australia along, like I say, similar paths. Yeah, but we're, we're, we're going back to coaches. 10, you can hang your hat on, don't we? I mean, yeah. we're, we're, Wales have an outside half who, all things being equal, is going to get you through more often than he's not going to get you through. And Australia don't really have that because they pick one ten and he's about nine years old. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think yeah, we spoke with a breakdown in the lineup, but that that could be the difference on the weekend in terms of the kicking game and and that control a halfback for for Wales compared to Australia, couldn't it? I mean, there's, there's a, yeah, absolutely it could be. And there's a huge amount hang, hanging on this because I'm not sure that Eddie Jones's contract, uh, if they lose to Wales, I'm not sure that that contract will be, uh, of any great length. You know, I mean, he's, he's, he's dug himself a bit of a hole and he's, he's taking a lot of flack, particularly over the fly half. Um, uh, you know, the leaving of Quade Cooper behind. Mm. Um, I see Michael Hooper, who was also left behind, is climbing into him as a TV commentator. So, um, <laughs> you know, he's uh, he, he's he, he's he, there's a, a huge amount riding on this game at the weekend for Jones. Yeah. And he's it's not never going to be a great, never going to be a great reservoir of sympathy for Eddie wherever he goes, just because of the way he conducts his business. You know, I mean, I mean, he's very abrasive and he's very in your face when things are going well. He's not shy of telling you about it when things are. Uh, when you're suddenly up against the wall, then um, then your level of support may be slightly lower if you behave in the way that Eddie generally conducts himself um, uh, compared to some other coaches. Hmm. And yeah. also thinking about the moment where Carter Gordon didn't go for that high ball, you have to think that that's an example of an inexperienced 10 who can't take a specific moment by the scruff of the neck that I don't know. For me, I see Quade Cooper going for that with a little bit more authority, and the ball not bouncing, and then to us over not getting. Finished. Yeah, he just completely mistimed that, didn't he? Um, yeah. I think I if, you, if you look, timing at... or just t- tim- timidness, timidity, timidity, whatever the word is. Yeah. Just... Well, yeah. thank yeah, you, yeah, the maybe... man from Cambridge University. I think you'll find. I, start, I, I studied foreign languages. Not Unbelievable. Well, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, though. Wales, in terms of uh, the aerial battle, you know, you look at Wales' back three and, and Dan Bigger at 10, you know, every single one of those players are comfortable in, in the air, aerially. I know they do a lot of work with, with Neil Jenkins and, you know, that, that could be another factor as well. And, and you've got somebody like Donaldson who's not an experienced fullback. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, the Aussies generally, uh, I mean, uh, are good in the air, aren't they? I mean, we, we always thought that was a strength of the Wallaby game was the, the aerial game and it all goes back to their Aussie rules upbringing and yeah. all the rest of it. But absolutely, just on this occasion, they do look potentially that they might be exposed there. We'll see. I was just going to say, you know, I mean, just in terms of uh, of Skelton and um, Tupo, is there any question of, um, uh, of, I mean, Skelton will presumably be available. What about Tupo? 
they've both been ruled they're out. Both unavailable. They're, they're, they're ruled out. Yeah, they're both ruled out. Are they? Yeah, okay. I, I think they've already said that. Yeah, definitely. Right, Skeleton's well, definitely out. Okay, I think Joe's. Well, they, they are they are they are vulnerable you know mm. they're vulnerable up front i mean fiji have improved a lot um but uh i mean i i'm not sure about the wales uh scrummaging i think that they're still a, a, a fairly average in that area um but uh i think that they'll meet an australian side with the exception of the loose head bell who is good and had a quiet game against fiji but um it's difficult to see where australia have advantage in too many places going into this game. Yeah. I'm going to be asking you guys for quite a lot of predictions um, this episode. We'll start oh, with good. A my speciality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so can I get uh, just a, just a winner prediction, nice and easy um, for Wales Australia, please, James? It's almost a rhetorical question, I feel like, but I'm going to start with you. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to go Wales. I think you know. I think Gatlin will get get them poor, and he'll pick the right team to get the job done. As you say, Australia are not at their best at the moment, so I'm back in Wales. It's almost like the like the cup final in a way. They they know they win this game. They're into the quarterfinals, and you know who knows what can happen then. Yeah, for sure. And does that mean you're thinking Wales and Fiji will be the two teams to go through from pool? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Okay, Chris. Yeah, I, I go with that. I think, I mean, look, it would not be unlike uh, Eddie Jones um, uh, to pull some kind of rabbit out of the hat. I mean, you know, he, he is quite good in adversity at times, you know, over quite long periods of his career. But this is tough. This is tough for him with the injuries, for yeah. sure. And, and and the fact that he's, he's gambled on an inexperienced squad in certain positions and then to lose two blokes that you were going to hang your hat on. Um, is is pretty tough, and and it's in an area of wallaby fragility anyway, and that's been since the nineteen ninety nine World Cup, which is a long time ago. I mean, that's the last time they had a pack that was really capable of mincing the opposition. So, um, so yeah, I go Wales and Wales and Fiji to qualify. Nick, yeah, I mean, I think that um, it's a it's a push to uh, fancy Australia for the game. I do think that they um, they bought a bloke on at tight head, uh, a guy called Nongor, I think, who um, who is a, who is a big unit. I think that their their one chance of salvation is set piece. I think that if they can make a mess of the Welsh set piece that they that they could uh, that they could win. They're not, you know, they're not suddenly a a, a, a hopeless side at all. Frost, as uh, Chris has said, is a is a very good line out operator, mm -hmm. and um, could make a, me a mess of the world's line out. So, I do think that they are not without without they they've got hope going into the game. But I I would say that the that the cards are stacked in Wales's favour. So I would back Wales to to win it. Um. And yeah, if Wales win it, then it's obviously Wales, Wales, Fiji, unless Fiji trip up over Georgia, which, which hopefully, given the amount of control that they've shown in the game so far, won't happen. Yeah, you say hopefully because I think we all want Fiji in the quarterfinals, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Bet probably England. I do not want to face Fiji in the quarterfinals. <laughs> Brendan, do you echo that? 
Oh, t totally. I, th I think uh, the Aussies will quite enjoy being the underdogs because I think they will be the underdogs and they might play half decently. But I, I think Wales actually, uh, I wouldn't say imp quite impressive, but I think they're building. I think Wales are going to have a good World Cup and I think they're going to put Australia away by about eight to ten points. Okay. All right. Well, very, very interesting. Let's kind of migrate over to Pool D a little bit. And James, I'm going to start by asking you, if Wales do make it to the quarterfinals, of the three teams that are likely to go through from Pool D, who would you rather face? Who are you saying the three teams are? Obviously England. England, Argentina. Argentina, Samoa. Samoa. Yeah. I, th I don't think there's fear playing anyone. i got to be honest. i got to be honest. I think, you know... We we enjoy playing England. We know how to beat England if if it came to that. Um, Argentina, you know, obviously didn't play great against England. I think, I think out out of the three, if 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 Argentina do get through, I think they probably rather play England as opposed to Argentina. I think they could probably control the game a little bit more against England. You know, the, the tempo that England are playing at the moment would probably suit Wales. I think Argentina, if they play the way we know they can play, with that expansiveness. You know that would probably make Wales fear them a bit more than than England, but I'm sure Samoa got something something to say about all this as well. It's a monumental match that game on Friday. Yeah, I mean yeah. Yeah. Argentina just didn't turn up against England, albeit no. England played pretty well. But um, they're not a bad team, Argentina. Uh, and if they suddenly click, you have to still factor them in to this whole World Cup. Now clicking against this Samoa side, who looked pretty tasty to me, is going to be some some job of work to do. So huge stakes for both teams in that match. That, that could be incredibly fiery, very, very dynamic. That's going to be a game worth staying in for Friday night, I think it is. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it, that we're sort of not talking about Argentina a lot because they obviously didn't turn up in the first. You you essentially haven't seen them yet at this World Cup. No. no. And that's the thing. And obviously, to me, they're still second favourites to go through despite that Um that opening fixture. Let's talk about England as well. Now, Matt Dawson wrote an article saying that the second half of that Japan game is the best England have looked under Steve Borthwick. I mean... Well, I that's a high bar, isn't it? Yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> that was my next comment. <laughs> I would say I would say he got... He, he got I'd say he got it wrong. <laughs> they would would for the last, you know, 15 minutes of the match. Yeah. You could you could you could argue that, but um, you know the first the first quarter after after half time, I don't think that they were particularly flash, and obviously they got into the game on the back of a header. No, complete <laughs> complete fluke, and J Japan were right in that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The game totally. was balanced to the last quarter, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So um, you know, England England did manage to uh, take you know to make the most of their luck. But um, let's you know, no, let's not overegg the pudding. You know, I mean, I, I think that they were, you know, they were very stilted up until that point. They 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 lacked confidence. They certainly lacked confidence to go, at, you know, to go at the game out wide until the final, uh, you know, the final quarter. And um, there's uh, they they'd be making a mistake if they, um, you know, if they if if they took too much out of uh, that, you know, that performance. For three quarters of the match, well, they'll pick Owen, they'll pick Owen Farrell for this game. Uh, one assumes, which that should open the back division up massively. <laughs> well, look, I'm... are you picking him at ten or twelve this weekend? Me, 
well, all right, given he I'd, presumably starting. I'd play him at 12 anyway. Okay. James? Yeah, well, it's difficult to drop George Ford, isn't it? Exactly. Two man of the match performances. So, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not dropping him at, at 10. I think it's, you know, you guys probably know better than me, but fr from the outside, it's just so, you know, I think he's a huge leader in that squad, isn't he? Uh, he's a big part of that squad. Borthwick loves him as part of that squad. So he, he, you'd, you'd think he's, he's going to come in um, and you'd expect he'd come in at 12 as well. Is it as long as you, is it as long as the coaches are confident, and and this has been written about for ages. I mean, um, and 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 that was the ten and twelve that got England to a World Cup final four years ago. Um, there, there are very there are passionate views either way about what to do with Farrell, etc., etc., etc. To to my way of thinking, I think Tuilangi is a much is is much more dangerous at thirteen than he is at twelve. I think he fades out of games a lot at twelve. Um, um, thirteen, he is a real powerhouse. Um, and as long as Farrell's presence doesn't cramp Ford's style and his decision-making capacities and what have you, those lines have to be really firmly drawn. I mean, F Ford is no one's um, pushover in terms of his attitude and, and, and his authority. Absolutely the opposite. So I don't really see an issue there. And there are bits of Owen's game. As the games get tougher and we get deeper into the tournament, there are bits of Owen's game which I think England will be very, very reluctant to lose. Very reluctant to lose. Yeah, he's not least, animal, isn't he? Not least his head high tackling. No, that was a yeah. joke. But <laughs> it, it's um no, I, I mean I, I do think I do think Farrell, Farrell brings a hell of a lot to the England side, which is not a whiz bang side. It, yeah. you know, it's a side of well, particular strengths, and he's part of that strength. Yeah, well, I don't think that those strengths have been evident at all uh during Borthwick's uh uh time as coach. And I would stick to the principle of not picking him at 12. Um, I've never thought of him as a uh, an inside centre. He doesn't challenge the line um, uh, barely at all. Uh, his passing, his distribution is is pretty good. Uh, but Marchand hasn't done a huge amount wrong, considering okay. that stuff inside him hasn't, you know, hasn't been working. You know, that Mitchell's, you know, Mitchell's still finding his, you know, finding his way. Um, George has kicked the ball a lot. And, um, you know, I, I, I would keep it, I, you know, certainly bring Farrell in at 10 for the game. You know, mm -hmm. it's against Chile. They want to look at, uh, at how he goes, but it should be a head to head between Farrell and Ford at 10. And the guy who's not picked is on the bench. Well, England will win that game by 50 points. So what lesson mm -hmm. do you, what lesson do you draw from Farrell at 10 in a one-sided game? Well, what lessons will you draw from you know Ford and Farrell playing together in that game? You know, I mean, <laughs> if it's a no, if it's a no game in terms of, and I and I'd, I'd be careful about that. You know, I mean, I don't know. You know, Chile are, are, are you know prove that they're fairly abrasive. They may be outmatched, but um, I'm not sure that they're just going to be a, a you know a, a speed bump. Um, well, you're 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 abrasive, but nobody picked you either. <laughs> they pick me more often than they pick you, mate. That's for sure. <laughs> um, Do you think, uh, bringing this point of view, four to ten, he challenges the line a lot better than than Farrell would? So, from an English attack point of view, would you not want uh, four to ten or not? I I, well, I, can, I can see some logic in that. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, Ford Ford is. I mean, I I've long thought that he's the best game manager in the in in English rugby. Um, there, there is his his so-called defensive frailties, which are pure 
size related, um, are, are completely outweighed by his under, his game understanding. It's yeah. a matter of my, my old mate Brian Ashton, the old England coach, used to put massive store on what he called game understanding. That's why he admired the All Blacks as much as he did, because he said all their key players are real students of the game and have, have massive, they're almost like on field coaches. Sexton's the same. Sexton, Sexton in Ireland, you you know this better than anyone, James. I mean, you, you played at the very top end. I mean, they're, they're almost on-field coaches. And Ford fits that category. I'm not quite sure that Farrell does because Farrell's sort of in a bit of a red mist after time. But I, I, I think I think Ford is a bit of a Peter Stringer. He makes a break once every blue moon. And when he does, um, he tends to make it count because no one's looking for it. So is, is your point, uh, James, that you would you would – Stick with Ford for the game against Chile, just to 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 bed in, you know, bed in further what they're trying to do. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. You take almost a leaf out of Ireland's book, you know, that they look to be picking the best team to get that continuity. And you know, at the end of the day, we're in a World Cup. I know you're playing a sort of lower tier nation, but it does, you know, especially key decision makers with this nine ten, you know, to get those boys playing as much as you can ready for the big games. I think, you know, obviously it's a risk of injury, but every game you play is a risk of injury, I think. But it's important just to bed that in and get the, the understanding of, of the player themselves, but the players around them as well. It'll be a yeah, bigger so risk of injury when they play Samoa. <laughs> if, if, if Samoa has to win the qualify. <laughs> yeah, there could be a case for resting George Ford altogether, actually. <laughs> I'd fly him out of the country. I'd bring, I'd bring him back in just ahead of the quarterfinals. Uh, with England, what, what happens to Alex Mitchell, though? We've admired him for Saints for a couple of seasons. The speed, not, not I'm not talking about just running speed. The speed he gets that ball away from the ruck is outstanding. It's almost like watching the, the film speed it up. And he's like that for about the first 10 minutes with England. And then they seem to sort of beat it out of him. That England don't like playing at that tempo that Alex Mitchell wants to play at. And he suddenly becomes Ben Young's again, you know, you know. So, so if England are going to promote him from fourth to first choice, I'm not sure what they want from him. Do they want him to be Alex Mitchell mm. or do they want him to be Ben Youngs? Mm. One of the problems is, is that they've got, they've got a bloke who was, um, you know, as, as uh, attack coach, who was one of the best box kickers in the game in Richard w- Wigglesworth. Yeah. And yet none of the England um, nines at the moment appear to have the accuracy required on uh, you know in their kicking game i mean that's that's been mitchell's weakness certainly it was his flaw you know in the uh, in the game against japan is that he just um, you know he's just not 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 hitting the spot well all the skills that mitchell brings to the northampton environment that brendan's absolutely bang on in describing weren't enough to get him in the england squad hmm. so in in my point the england selectors didn't want him <laughs> um, presumably because of how he plays. I mean, no one's questioning any of these guys' skill levels. He just plays a bit like Zach Mercer. That was the Zach Mercer argument. that They decided that his style of scrum halfery, uh, like Mercer's style of number eightery, weren't what they wanted. It didn't fit the system they were looking to employ. And then suddenly you get an injury, Alex is back in, but it may well be behind the scenes that they're saying, well, look, Alex, you know, we're quite happy to start you in these games. You know, we think you've got a lot to offer, but what we want you to offer and what you generally offer at Northampton are two different things. Chris, you give me shit for my use of the English language and then you come out with stuff like number eightery. 
Yeah, well, I, I, I think, I think, I think you'll find that that's just an inventive use of language rather than a wrong use of language. <laughs> inventive and wrong can be the same thing. You know that very well. Um, not only until it catches on. <laughs> you consider yourself. Yeah, well, you try, you try it when you next go into a cafe. I'll have the number eightery, please. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, look, look, never bullshit a bullshitter. Okay, that's <laughs> that's the number one lesson. <laughs> Uh, go, well, going back to the, um, I think I agree about the Alex Mitchell thing. Just going back to what you were saying, Nick, about Farrell, I'll be concerned if England pick Farrell at 10 against Chile because I think against Samoa, unless the result is set by 60 minutes, I think you want George Ford on for the full 80. And I think, therefore, if you play Owen Farrell, you're playing him at 12. And that would show to me that if you play Farrell at 10 against Chile, Borthwick's not going to play Farrell at 12 at all. And I don't want it to be a shootout because then you lose minutes from George Ford on the pitch. Mm. Well, you know, I mean, I think that the idea of Ford uh, having a break is not a bad one um, at all. And I think that if it's going to be a shootout, which is what I would like to see between uh, Ford and Farrell for the 10 shirt. I don't want to see the reinvention of the Ford-Farrell partnership because I don't think that it does anything for the England midfield um, in terms of its its actual penetration. So I would make it a head-to-head between the two and Ford is in the box seat at the moment and deserves to be and uh, Farrell deserves to have to make his case. And um, big call to leave out your captain. I was going to say, can you see, can you see Borthwick making that big yeah. call and put him file on the bench? I mean, yeah. you you would have been in that in, environment, I guess, James. Where, where, when this kind of have you have you experienced much of? Did you experience much of this kind of thing during your career? When when the captain, the 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 established captain, is under real pressure for his place, and the coach has said, "I'm leaving you out for a big game." Uh, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to think back now. I think. When I first came into the, into the Wales camp, obviously Stephen Jones was the captain. Um, so, like, I suppose he may have been under a bit of pressure there, but I sort of played at 12 and, and Steve was played at 10. Uh, and probably rightly so, that worked work quite well, you know. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a tough call, you know what I mean, for a coach to to leave leave his captain out, you know. I think it's going it's to take a brave man, isn't it? Yeah, but there's, there's got to be, if you, if, if you think about it, I mean, Farrell... Farrell's Achilles' heel is that he hasn't played in the in the World Cup, so he hasn't had a chance to make his case, and that's at his door. So my, you know, my rationale is is do you bring a person back in and change the dynamic completely from what you've got, or do you say, well, the guy who's in the ten shirt is actually going pretty well, and therefore, and we don't think that he's going to bring add added value at 12. I mean, I, listen, I'm fairly sure that what will happen is exactly what, you know, what you've talked about. We, we, we will be back with the 10, 12 Ford Farrell combination. Mm. Um, and there have been no signs of, you know, of that working particularly well. I mean, Farrell, when he's been playing at, at, uh, at 10, hasn't been particularly good for England over the last, yeah, you'd say over the last year. And, um, I'm not sure, you know, when when he goes to uh, to, to inside centre, I mean, there are definite limitations to his game. Um, and, and it is and established, isn't it? That he that doesn't 
he doesn't want to play at twelve. Farrell doesn't want to play at twelve. No, and no. and if the, if 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 the um, if the poetic Danny Cipriani book is right, and Owen Farrell is the leader of the mafia that runs England rugby, then that just throws another another little depth charge into. Although George discussion. Ford apparently is also a member of the mafia. Well, well, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> and but Dan who, Cole apparently. Who's the who's the, who's the the who's the chief? Who's Al Pacino and who's Robert the De Niro? Capo, the Capo di Capo. Who, who's the, <laughs> yeah, who's the main man? Who presses the button? As <laughs> <laughs> far as opening, come out and said that he doesn't want to play twelve, does he? Well, we. I think it's. I think it's generally. I. Th- I think possibly back in the day. Yeah, he did. He, he sort of said things like, "I consider myself a 10 first and foremost, etc." But he obviously did play a lot of twelve. Yeah. Um, um, mm. You know, under previous England coaches, and isn't yeah. it amazing how times change so quickly? We've just spent a quarter of an hour or so talking about the England number ten position, and Marcus Smith has yet to be mentioned. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, that well, was I mean, the, that well, was the big debate. Now, guys, I mean, I, 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 I certainly think that he's he's somebody who could also start at uh, yeah. at, at ten and might deserve the chance to start at at, at ten at the uh, against Chile. Um. The stuff about the the mafia and so on and so forth. Anybody who was in South Africa in 2018 and saw what went on there knows that the idea of there being a clique, let's forget about the mafia and who pulls the trigger and so on. But, but there's no question that there is a, you know, that there is a, as there is in in a lot of teams, that there is a, a, a sort of central clique, if you like, and they didn't want Cipriani in the team. I don't think that there's any doubt at all about that. Um, I don't want any. I don't want any of you guys. Just as an aside, I don't want any of you guys to worry about the potential of a libel case being brought against anything said on this podcast, because every libel lawyer in the country is working on Russell Brand at the moment. So, um, so we'll all be okay. Say what you like. <laughs> I don't think that there's been anything libelous said at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we we just accused it's a matter of opinion, mafiosi, but apart from it's that, a, it's, okay. a, it's a matter of uh, opinion. Commenting on Danny Cipriani's <laughs> books and comments—that's fair play. You you yeah. wait till you go to bed and you find that horse's head in there. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> then you know you're in trouble. You've always been a fantasist, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go oh, any any elevator. My stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I don't really know where that leaves us. Um, I reckon let's include the island South Africa is what we need talking about. Yeah, I think that's the next thing. Now there is a rumor that South Africa are going to go seven-one. Do oh, we? Rass is mind games, isn't it? Seven I don't backs. care whether they go seven-one, eight-love. I'm not interested. That's fantastic. Do you think? Do you think it will happen? I think they're going to go seven-one. Do you do, oh, Brent, do something like that just to yeah just to wind people just to wind us up to wind Ireland up. But anyway, they got you know they scrum halves play fly off nowadays. They've got flankers playing hooker. I mean, it's just throwing everything up in the air, isn't he, Rassi? I mean, it, it's good copy, but I mean, I'm not sure it really amounts to much. It's Ireland against South Africa. It's it's a hell of a match. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we'll be talking about seven one by the end of the match on uh, on Sunday, is it, uh, or Saturday? Um, I- I'm not sure about it, just in terms of the attrition that they've taken up front. They've lost marks, mm. uh, which is a, a huge loss for, for them. There's been some sort of rumour mill stuff about Etzebeth. So um, I, I'm not sure that they'll uh, that they'll have, you know, that that in mind. 
I think that they they might need more. at some stage that um, ploy is going to be exposed, and that's one game that I wouldn't be mucking around with. No, mm. absolutely. There's enough. Exposed on that in terms of injuries, what about Nick? Yeah. Sorry. In terms of injuries, exposed in terms of if it's an injury. No, just in terms of tactically. I think that you know it. You, you know, they could find themselves in a position where if they lose one of them to the bin or two, you know, one off, one yeah, on the yeah. bin, whatever, you know, that they'll be hopelessly exposed in terms of a pace around the field. I mean, Marco van Staden, who they stick on, you know, stick on as um, as one of the seven. You know, I mean, he's not a quick man. You know, I mean, they they they've got quick forwards, but. Uh, uh, they could be badly exposed if they're, you know, if their front five forwards are sort of stuck on the pitch at the end of a game when it, uh, it it all goes wild, basically. I want to be there when they have to put Ox and Che on the wing. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be opposite him. Um, <laughs> you'd have been all yeah. right with a seven-one split, James, with your skill set, because you could play. Yeah. You could play uh, you know. Five years too late, right? Yeah, I tell you what, if they put Ox and Che in the tram line, there wouldn't be any room left in the tram well, line. No, there wouldn't be any tram line. No, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. They, they, they do look good, though, the box, in fairness to them. Well, Ireland and South Africa, they haven't really yeah. looked like they have any chinks yet. I mean, Ireland, particularly against Tonga, were, I mean, they put 60 points on a decent Tonga outfit. Either, this one's impossible to call. I mean, yeah, I thought Ireland were impressive actually. That and that and, and parts of that Tonga. I mean, neither team has been properly tested, obviously, but yeah. parts of that Tonga game were quite physical and quite testing. And Ireland looked in very, very good shape. I mean, what does occur to me about the match before all this World Cup started? I didn't really think it would matter who finished first and second, but I would now very much want to play New Zealand rather than France <clears throat> in a yeah. quarter final. So I think. That means you've got to win uh, on on Saturday. So I think that might come into play. Um, I think both of them fancy themselves against New Zealand, the way things are shaping up. So I think this, this could be an absolute. Well, it will be an absolute belter. Uh, I suppose you're you're going to want a prediction at some time, Ollie. I can't even get my head around this one at the moment. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to save the predict. Let us talk about it for a little bit, and then maybe some sort of a narrative will become clear. Um, James, have either side looked more impressive than the other at the start of the tournament so far? I agree. I agree with the boys. I think both teams have looked really impressive. I think we all speak about Safkin's power, but the backline as well. They got the backline to complement what, what's happening up front as well, haven't they? And you know, there's not really many chinks in in that South African team and. And with Ireland, you know, I, I love I love watching Ireland play. I think the the connections and attack, you know, how how well the backs and forwards combine. And I think you know the difference is, you know, most teams play the same sort of way and same sort of shape off nine and ten. But Ireland have the ability, where it's the tenth, eleventh phase, they still have that same ability to be connected, the same in the eleventh phase as probably would be in the first or second phase. I think it's the ability when they go deep phases, they still look really really good in attack. And I think. You know, that's where probably other nations probably struggle and, and that's where Ireland are, are number one and probably the reason they are number one. So here's the question for you, James, and this goes back to the whole decision-making around 10 and what you do in selection. Let's say South Africa continue to play with this sort of exuberance that they're playing at the moment 
um, <clears throat> with 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 the with, with the wings and and what have you and and Libocket Ten and all this sort of business and, and yeah. they're, they're very inventive, far more so than maybe you could argue some previous Springbok sides we've seen at World Cups. Let's say they continue to play in that style, continue to win mm. by scoring tries quite heavily, but their goal kicking's all over the place. When it comes to the big games, the really big games, mm. do they go to Pollard and possibly restrict their broader attacking game? Or do they continue to back themselves with ball in hand? That's a, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. I, I love watching Leboc play. I think, you know, his attacking style and like, like I just said, he, he complements what the forwards are doing up front. But, you know, I, I, Pollard as well is an accomplished goal kicker. Obviously, he's come in now and yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting. But I think, you know, I believe in don't don't change the winning formula. And it's working for South Africa at the moment. So I think you you, you keep Labok And, you know, it was interesting listening to Khaleesi's interview the other day in terms of the goal kick and the way he backed up his his players. And, you know, they, they all believe in each other. And I think I think if it's working, they'll, they'll stick with it, you know? I think we established on last week's podcast that Libok's no-look no kick uh, was it Libok? His no no look kick was in yeah, fact a yeah. slice. So did you ever did you ever um, did did you ever slice the ball that badly or more or more seriously? Did you ever attempt a no look kick? Chris, I think you said it was a slice. I don't think we established anything. Well, no. as, as you know, if I say it, it happened. Um, it was the fantasist that worked. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, James, this is a personal discussion between you and me. No look kicks. <laughs> you're, you're full of ideas. Hey, I, I've sliced many a kicks, Chris. I can tell you, but uh, I, I agree with the boys. I don't, I don't think he meant to slice that, did he? That was that was one heck of a kick. But uh, oh. yeah, I don't think I've, I've meant to slice a kick. I've attempted to catch a ball behind my back against uh, against Saracen in the Heineken Cup quarter final, which was probably one of my greatest moments. So, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I remember that. <laughs> I don't remember that. Did you catch it? No. The guy, okay, the keyword was attempt. That used to be Paul Turner's party trick. There's a name that one or two of you might know. Yeah, remember. yeah, yeah. Great player. Tommy used to do that behind the back. <laughs> yeah. I think we should mention Johnny Sexton as well. I mean, we obviously mention him most episodes at the moment, but he did overtake Ronan O'Gara in, I think, 14 fewer matches as well. Uh, James, you know both of them relatively well. Just talk about the achievement itself. Obviously, that was a record we probably didn't think was going to be beaten for quite some time. And the hell, the man to take over from Ogara has done it. Yeah. Yeah, I think both think incredible competitors have been privileged to play uh, against both of them, played alongside uh, Rog in, in 2009 with the Lions as well. And, and just very similar in terms of how competitive they are on and off the pitch. Um, but I think, you know, with, with Sexton, his, his, his longevity is, is incredible. The, the ability to, to play at that peak High level for so long, you know. What is he? Thirty six. He's got to be thirty seven, nearly now. Is he? No, thirty seven. Got to be thirty eight. Was he thirty eight? Is he? Well, you know, it just goes goes to show. You know, I think how important he is to to that island team. And you know, you just when Sexton's playing, I think just you just get that impression. Everyone around him just feels a little bit calmer. Everyone knows what what pays it on. And and you mentioned it earlier about on field coaches. He certainly is one of those and he's, he's probably around that sort of bigger mould in terms of you know if someone's not doing their job he'll certainly tell them you know Is that the fun of playing in Ireland under their current system James that you only have to play once every six weeks anyway so it just adds years onto your career Yeah yeah probably yeah 
I think the strength and depth in Ireland is is ridiculous. And they know you look at Leinster, you look at Leinster and the URC. You know they pick the second, third string team. You know it, it doesn't really affect them too much, does it? You know I think that that strength and depth is is incredible. So whoever comes into that system, whether it's for Leinster or for Ireland, you know it, it almost doesn't really affect them, does it? That, well, that's where I... where everyone's on the same page. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in terms of the national hierarchy and the and the and, and the provincial sides and what have you. I mean, it ju- it does seem to make it far more easy to manage players to manage their yeah. work. Yeah, they just them seamlessly, don't they? Yeah. I think it's massive, guys. And this is where I drop in my favourite stat that Anton Dupont has already played more first class minutes of rugby than Johnny Sexton, and he's 10 years younger than him. Is that right? <laughs> I mean, Johnny Sexton in a season will play what? Ireland? He'll play maybe two URC matches, three at uh, home. At home. At home. Yeah. And, and as far as they go in Europe. And, and also, mm. he's got injuries some of the time anyway. I was going to say, you know, how brilliant he did to come back after five months of not playing, but he's used to not playing. He's been, yeah. He does a lot of time coming back from periods of not playing rugby, doesn't he? In fact, in fact he considered himself to be rushed back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was rather <laughs> rushing him back five months, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Is that stat correct, great... Brendan? Yeah. That is, it's... I've seen it a couple That's of times incredible. from statisticians on Twitter. So with that caveat, but it sounds right because... Dupont has been full blast since he was 17, basically. Yeah, yeah. And he plays. When he's fit, he plays. He doesn't he yeah. doesn't rest much. It's a, it's a great stat, uh, Bren, but the one thing that playing against South Africa South Africa doesn't do is uh, help longevity in the game <laughs> a great deal, I think. And look, just looking at the way they play, he will they will attempt to get to him hmm. early Early on, he is 38, you're, you're, you're right. And, you know, they know that he's the fulcrum of their game. And um, I'd be amazed if uh, Peter Steph Dutoy or, or, or somebody doesn't rattle him frequently within the first 10 or whatever. Look, he's, he, he's bounced back and he, and he does continue to bounce back. But the, the word for, for, for Ireland is... La Rochelle. What La Rochelle did to Leinster <clears throat> is what South Africa are capable of doing to Ireland. And the Irish forwards are going to have to play, you know, the game of, you know, they've, they've obviously already played many games of, uh, you know, of, at peak quality, but they're going to have to be at their absolute best because they're just, you know, they've got more clout up front than any other side mm. in the world, the South Africans. And uh, that is the only way that Ireland will win the game. Ireland's saving grace in that regard is the fact that the, the two guys up front who don't play for Leinster, Omani and, and Tyburn, are, I mean, I mean Tyburn especially, mm. is just mm. sensational at the moment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What a, talk about having an all-court game. I mean, God. He's 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 fabulous, isn't he? So and and Omani does bring. I mean, he's not the biggest in the end, but he does bring a certain amount of um, competitive spirit to the mix. Yes. So he's he's less bullyable than a lot of other players, I think. Mm. Uh, but I take your point. Um, yeah. You know, um, I, I just going back to Dupont for a second. They do say, James, that the only difference between Antoine Dupont and Gareth Edwards is that Antoine Dupont is not is not always at risk of a Christmas hamstring. <laughs> against Aberavon. 
<laughs> oh, inevitably. <laughs> Uh, but I, I think I think you're right, Nick. In terms of um, of Ireland, I don't. They're not going to dominate South Africa scrum, but if if they can match this scrum, then I, th- I think they'll be okay, you know. But I think that is always the worry when you play South Africa, isn't it? Getting dominated up front, so that that'll be a big task for Ireland this weekend. Yeah, I mean the, the marking. Taylor Doris, who had a quiet end of season, he looks much better again. I know it's been limited opposition. But he's looking back on it again. So they they need Caelan Doris blasting holes in the box if they yeah. get anywhere. What's the story? I with mean, Gibson the Park, the by the way, is, is Gibson Park injured? Uh, don't think so. I think they were just resting him. Okay, okay. Being I think a, that the marker that the South Africans put down against Scotland uh, in Marseille was, you know, showed how formidable they are. And talking about Khaleesi. You know, Khaleesi is now coming through as a player. I thought his performance against Scotland was outstanding. And he's coming through as a real talisman. And you talk about the importance of Doris. Well, you know, I mean, that that clash between two players is worth the uh, the admission price on its own. You know, I mean, I, I think Khaleesi looks turbocharged at the moment. The, the reason I ask about Gibson Park is I think Ireland will certainly need high tempo. High tempo. And and I think that's what he brings to you know the gem, the general mix. Much as I admire Murray, and I think he's playing pretty well, but it's uh, hopefully it's also cooled down, and we don't have these twenty minute water breaks because Ireland need as much ball in play time as possible. They don't want these water breaks. Uh, they, they will back themselves on aerobic fitness against us. Well, you have to because you're not going to match them in any other way in terms of strength. Um, yeah. So I hope I hope they do go. I mean, obviously health and safety they were needed. The first two weekends, but I don't think they'll be needed this weekend. And also, they've and got South Africa, deliberately, South Africa deliberately slow the game down. There's no totally. question about. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and and Ireland also have one one of the tournament, another of the tournaments in form players. I mean, how well is Bundyaki playing? I mean, really very good. I mean, that, he's unquestioned now. I mean, they've got blokes as good as Henshaw and what have you, but you know, you're not going to drop him in a hurry, are you? No. Right, come on then. No one, I don't want anyone sitting on the fence, Chris. Um, in fact, Chris, I'm coming to you first. Who's winning? Oh, God, this fence is so uncomfortable. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, what in, in what South Africa, South yeah. Africa, Ireland? Yeah, uh, I think Ireland narrowly. Okay, one for Ireland, James. Uh, well, I said South Africa are going to win the tournament, and I saw. <laughs> I can't. I can't back down now. So um, I, I agree with you. It's going to be hell, it's going to be a hell of a matchup, isn't it? But um, yeah, I'm going to go South Africa. I think they're going to edge. I think they'll 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 dominate a little bit too much for Ireland up front and uh, and come away with the victory. Yeah, Brendan. Yeah, I'm not. I like James. I've gone South Africa for the tournament. I mean, of course, they could lose at the weekend and still win the tournament. Yeah, but I actually think they they will just nick it. This weekend, which will set up a fantastic Ireland Scotland match. Yeah. Because, you know, um, there'll be a lot riding on that. So uh, it'll be one score, one score, South Africa. Nick. Yeah, I think that they'll, they'll, they'll miss marks. Um, uh, but I, I think, I think, I still think that they've got too much up front for Ireland. And I think that um, that will be the, the the difference. That'll be the the, the key, the key uh, 
um, area of superiority, and I think it'll it'll pull South Africa through. So I'm going South Africa. So we've got four South Africa and one Ireland. And how good am I going to look next? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, <laughs> do we know who's ref in that match? Because that's going to be important. No, I can. Check. Oh, I can tell you that. Uh, uh, it is. Um, oh no, Wayne Barnes is doing Wales Australia. Uh, yeah, ben, ben, ben O'Keefe. Ben O'Keefe. Right. Okay, I, I don't really have any view on Ben O'Keefe, so we'll see how he gets on with that one. But you need a good ref in charge on uh, on Saturday. And Argentina Samoa in the kickoff in in the kickoff game, i.e., that it will it could easily kick off in more than one sense is Nick Berry. Okay. So um so uh he's um, <laughs> right, um, I, I think he may overreact on the card front. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be a hell of a weekend. Um very quickly, I did this with you guys last week, James. I'm slightly putting you on the spot, but we've kind yeah. of settled on our match of the round for week two. I think we're all saying Australia, uh Australia Fiji, unless yeah. someone interrupts me. Uh player of the round and moment of the round. Uh Brendan, I haven't come to you first yet, so I'm going to come to you. All right, well, moment of the round, just for a sort of punch-in-the-air moment, was Portugal's beautifully worked line-out move. And like they deserve something from that match because they played with real enterprise, real skill, slightly unflattering scoreline, to be honest. Not that they didn't deserve to win or anything, but I'm just so glad. that That was just a pure... T1 expertise, and they, I thought it was a beautifully worked try. Uh, and what was the other question? Player of the round. Player of the round. Too sober. That's stolen mine. Yeah, I'm mine. <laughs> <laughs> that's the advantage of going first, boys. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You're welcome. James, who are you picking? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go too sober. Uh, a moment of the round. Um, I think from an England point of view, we'll go Marla's header. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we haven't really talked about that in great deal. Actually. There was a well, um, a great line thrown around on our group chat yesterday, where until sixty-five minutes into the England-Japan game, Joe Marla's head had had more try involvements than England's entire backline in the. <laughs> <laughs> All planned as well, isn't it? All planned. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He said it. He, as Chris says, you say it was, so it happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nick, we'll go to you. Um, difficult one. I mean, the the moment of sort of a player who is has has brilliance in him, and we saw a glimpse of it uh, against Portugal is Reece Samet the chip and chase try that he scored and just the Rolls-Royce sort of acceleration onto it, leaving everybody in, in his wake. I just wish that, that that he had more involvement in the game because he's a potential, well, he, you know, I mean, he's a star of the game. He's a potential superstar. So um, that was, uh, was, was a moment which stood out for me because he just makes everything look so easy. Um, and uh, a player, a, a player, I would say I'd go for the uh, Fijian captain, Naya Salevu. I think he's uh, he's a hell of a player. He's one of those blokes who produces, you know, when they appear to be flagging a bit or whatever, he'll produce a moment that'll keep him in. Actually, change that, Bottier. 
Mustache man. <laughs> I'm with him. Solid solidarity. He's, he's the best. He's the best turnover merchant uh, in in the game at the moment, and there are a, 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 a lot of good ones. Obviously, Malcolm Marks has gone, but um, yeah, Bottier's performance uh, in uh, spiking Australia at the breakdown was uh, fantastic. The only man on earth older than Johnny Sexton. <laughs> so, so you say. <laughs> it must be right then. <laughs> he's actually four years younger than Johnny Sexton, believe it or not. Yeah, there you go. Believe that you'll believe anything. <laughs> well, he started playing professional rugby when he retired from the Fiji Police. So you yeah, yeah, you, you, don't don't retire from that until, you don't retire from that until you're forty-five. No, exactly. He's, <laughs> he's a well-travelled man. Chris, lastly, you. Uh, moment of the round was the last was the last scrum in the in the Fiji Australia game. I, I'd spent the previous three minutes um, in my objective journalistic style, screaming at the television, "No penalties, no penalties!" At the top of my voice, um, it was a real edge of seat stuff. And of course, they, they conceded they conceded the penalty, and it ended up in that scrum. And I thought, "Oh, here we go." I mean, how many times has this happened to Fiji? They'll they'll do something daft, or there'll be a break. Uh, Australian wing with the unpronounceable name will disappear in the distance, and they won the scrum. And I was absolutely punching the air because it was a great moment. And as far as player at the range is concerned, no question the number twelve uh, from Chile, Matias Garafulik, who's got that bright scrum cap on, who plays, who's had now two completely heroic games. It seems to me, and is uh, I, I mean, it's a, it's terribly difficult for a size like that, isn't it? I mean, up against up against real heavy weaponry. I mean, they were against the Samoans there. And I, I, ju- I just thought that in all aspects of the game, his defence was insanely brave. And I think he did some stuff with ball in hand. So, obviously, Tua Sober was remarkable. And uh, we all know that. But a shout-out for the, a shout-out for the Minnows. Yeah. yeah. Shout-out for the, the Portugal 15 as well. I can't remember his name now. Guedes. Guedes. Yeah, yeah he, he was outstanding. What about his footwork? Oh. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic, I'd, and you know, add it. I'd add to that that entire Portuguese back row as a unit. Oh, I thought good. they were mm. fantastic. Yeah, one of the best back rows in terms of linking. There was one one move down the down the side of the pitch where they all handled and all interplayed with each. You know, a handling move featuring all of them. It was um, it was great to, great to see. Their man with Fiji is going to be a belter because actually I'm, I've, I've seen a fair bit of Portugal. That, that was quite a quiet match for them in terms of running. They 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 play Fiji style when they when they get a bit more ball. So Fiji will presumably need a big bonus point win just to carry their momentum on. That could be a wildly entertaining match, Portugal Fiji. I, I'm genuinely excited to see these. Uh, I mean. I know I keep on banging on about, you know, they should be reshaping the tournament, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm genuinely interested to see these sides playing in games, as long as they're still in one piece, playing in games that they can win, that where, where they're not where they're not genuinely overmatched. And sort of however well they play, they ain't gonna win the game. They're they're, they're each gonna have a game. And in 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 you know, in in in, in Uruguay, the Uruguay Namibia game, for example. I mean, I, I think Uruguay are quite impressive. Actually, yeah. of all the minnow teams, um, I don't use that word in a rude sense, but it's um, I, I, I'm genuinely, genuinely interested to see how they go when they're not completely stuffed 
before. Well, they play Italy tomorrow, and that'll be a fantastic. That will be that will be yeah. interesting. That, that's Genuinely. their World Cup final. That's yeah. you know they're underdogs, but they could win that on a good day. Uruguay could. Well, they nearly beat Italy two years ago. They could really run Italy close. That would that would mm. be that would be very very interesting that game. Right, I think that just about wraps us up. Actually, I haven't picked my... Well, my player of the round was Tua Sova as well. Um, my moment of the round, I went unconventional last week. I'll go unconventional this week. Go on Twitter and look up Japan um, fans clearing up after the England-Japan game. A few of them stayed stayed back after full-time and after everyone had gone to help clean up some of the rubbish at the stadium, which I just thought was absolutely fantastic. So, I see Alan Wynne-Jones is doing that for too long yeah. as well these days. <laughs> <laughs> they can't afford any rounds from down there. Channeled their inner Alan Weir. So there's my. He's moment. picked up a lot of rubbish down the years, Alan Weir. Most, mo, 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 most of them are opposing second rows. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I think we've built next weekend fantastically. I think it'll be the the best weekend of the World Cup so far in terms of quality of fixtures. So don't miss a second of that action. James, you're going back out. When are you flying back out? Uh, so I'm going back out Saturday. Obviously, the game uh, Wales Australia Sunday, so I'll be out there by uh, by Saturday evening. So, looking forward to it. And you're not going to be in Paris Saturday night for Ireland South Africa. Unfortunately, not. But I, but I will be watching it. Amazing. All right. In, in a bar um, at all? Um, yeah, potentially. Why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't sell brains over there. <laughs> uh, you sell strongbow, though. <laughs> <laughs> right, James. Enjoy. The rest of the World Cup and being out there, obviously, good luck to Wales. It's going to be a hell of a weekend and rest of the, tour- the tournament. And it's been amazing having you on. So thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Cheers, man. Have a good weekend down yeah. there. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Rugby Paper Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you use and recommend the show to your friends. The Rugby Paper is available to buy every Sunday. And to make sure you don't miss it, subscribe through our print, digital and online options at therugbypaper.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. That's therugbypaper.co.uk forward slash subscriptions to get all our content for as little as 14p per day.